Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to eight. Yes, you heard me right. There's another one on the way. Woohoo! I'm also a 26-year veteran homeschooling mom, and I'm really thankful to be here today. Um, I'm going to be talking about dealing with a pessimistic gimme child. Anybody out there have one of those? You know, sometimes around the holidays or right after the holidays or around a birthday or right after a birthday or a vacation, uh, you know, any time when kids have sort of been blessed with more than they normally get. We often find ourselves dealing with a pessimistic gimme child. That's what I would call it. Um, a complainer, um, ungrateful. <laughs> we'll be talking more about that in just a minute. But before I dive in to this topic, I'd really love for you to check out the four-hour school day how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. This is my most recent publication, and it's really all about broadening your perspective on education so that you can really embrace the freedom that homeschooling has to offer. It's also a great argument for why homeschooling doesn't have to take all day. So go check that out on Amazon. You can also purchase purchase it at my website, DorendaWilson.com or probably any of your favorite booksellers. Also, I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. Highly recommend that for uh, new homeschooling moms who are maybe overwhelmed with information and you'd like a like someone to just get to the point. And the third book that I wrote is called, and this is not necessarily in that order, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It's a 31-day devotional. Um, and it's really a great Kickstarter to get you back in the word for a doable amount of time each day. Moms are busy, right? But we still need to be in the word. It's not about quality. It's about quantity. Nope. I've reversed that. (laughs) It's not about quantity. It's about quality. And so if you find yourself in a place right now where you just need to kind of uh, recalibrate, I would highly recommend Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can get it on Amazon and you can get it at my website. Um, Anyway, those are my three books. I hope you'll check those out. So let's start talking about what you're really here to listen to and discuss. Well, I guess we're not really discussing because you can't talk back to me, but (laughs) you know, that's kind of (laughs) nice. It's kind of like with your kids. If you could just talk to your kids and they wouldn't talk back. No, you guys aren't like that. You are fantastic, wonderful audience. I am so blessed to have you. You are so faithfully uh, listening to the podcast and it still blows me away sometimes that I'm sitting here in my she shed. I've got my slippers on and my leggings and my my little baseball t-shirt and I talk into this microphone and I get to speak into the lives of women like you who quite frankly amaze me. Um, this whole mom thing and this homeschooling thing, it's a high calling. It's a great responsibility that you are stepping up to the plate. And maybe you don't feel like you're doing that great of a job. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty darn sure that you're doing a better job than you think you are. So don't let the enemy get a foothold. 
Don't let him discourage you. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to render you as ineffective as possible within the walls of your home. Don't let him do it, you guys. Your marriages and your families are far too valuable for that. And honestly, at the end of the day, I firmly believe that it's strong, healthy, biblical, godly families that are going to change our culture. You know, sometimes people want to throw lots of different ideas out there as to how our culture can improve. How can we, how can we um, help rid the culture of the, just the blatant sinfulness and, and that kind of thing? And it's, it's reforming the church, but it's also reforming the family because the family is the stabilizing factor um, in the church and in our culture. So um, you must have just needed to hear that little bit of encouragement because I just felt very strongly that I needed to say that to you. And of course, um, you know, I needed to hear it too as a mom. And I, I still need to hear it as a mom of grown kids because that's a whole new season. And sometimes I don't think I'm doing it very well, but I'm praying for wisdom. I'm kind of right there with you. I'm in a different season, but I still am having to stop and ask the Lord regularly, God, what does this look like? What do you want? You know, lead me by your spirit. Lead me to what is good. Lead me to discernment. Um, discernment is what is good. And, you know, praise God, he sent the Holy Spirit to us to be our comforter, our helper, our guide. Do you realize that the uh, characters in the Old Testament didn't have that? We have that because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So praise God for the gospel. Praise God for the restoring work and the redemptive work of Jesus. That work is finished. It is complete, and we get to stand firmly on it. And yes, we are working out our salvation, um, as Paul says in the New Testament, day by day, little by little. And honestly, a big part of that is this motherhood gig and this homeschooling gig. This is a huge part of our sanctification. So we're all going to just be sort of taken one step at a time and asking the Lord for wisdom and just moving forward in obedience to what he calls us to do. That is my encouragement to you today. So let's talk about this pessimistic, pessimistic gimme child. So I was talking to a mom the other day and she was telling me how uh, she went to tuck her daughter in and her daughter just looked at her and said, I don't want to live here anymore. Anybody relate? Can you hear the drama in my voice? I don't know that she said it like that, but she just said, I, just, I don't want to live here anymore. Now, what is the typical response that we moms have? We just immediately inside, we die a little bit, right? Because we're thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm failing as a mother, right? Because we're always questioning ourselves, which can be good and bad. We need to get our assurance from the Lord, though, and not from our five-year-old. Because I'm going to tell you right now, five years old or 15, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to get what you want from them. <laughs> but God intended it that way. He wants us to get our security and our identity from him. And I speak from experience because I've made this mistake in the past. Um, you know, wanting my kids to give me that gratification that I so desperately thought I needed. But at the end of the day, what I needed was to know that I was doing what God had called me to do. So back to the five-year-old, I don't want to live here anymore. Okay. So put yourself in that scenario and be thinking about like, how do you respond to that? So the first thing you probably will feel is guilt. So we're going to we're going to say right now like I always say, 
Don't ever do anything out of guilt or fear, okay? Start asking questions because here's the thing. What does she really mean by that? Why is she saying she doesn't want to live here? Because a lot of times it's their answers aren't what we think they're going to be. Um, but in this case, basically, um, the mom asked, well, what do you mean? So she's shooting for clarification instead of moving forward in guilt and fear. Um, and you can be whispering a prayer um, to the Lord, asking you to give you wisdom and discernment because you're right there. You're in a defining moment right there, more than likely. I mean, it could just pass. But, you know, it may be um, an opportunity for uh, a character building experience or an opportunity to address sin in our kids' lives. And yes, sin at five years old, our kids are not born perfect. They are born sinful. That is what the Bible says. And that is the truth. So we need to wrap our heads and hearts around that. It's not me. It doesn't mean that our kids are constantly sinning, but they're going to tend towards sin because um, because they're children and they don't have wisdom. That's something they have to grow in. Um, they don't own their relationship with God at five years old. They don't have the maturity. Um, so we're there as the parents to guide them through these kinds of scenarios. So, um, so the mom asked her what she meant. And she said, when dad and you make me go sit on my bed, when I have an attitude, um, I don't like that. It, it, you know, I, I sit here and I'm sad. And um, because these parents are very, very good parents. And when this, when their children are copying an attitude, they know that it affects everybody in the household when someone has a bad attitude. So they um, make it a point to not let that continue in the presence of the rest of the family. And they say, well, if you, if you can't, if you can't have a happy attitude, you need to go sit on your bed. And so they go and they sit on their bed. And when they when they feel like they've gotten a, um, some self-control, um, they can come back and join the rest of the family. And I think that is a very wise thing to do because our actions and words affect the people around us. This is something that is so important for our kids to learn. This isn't a guilt trip for them. It is a healthy boundary where we are saying, um, what we do, which is what the Bible says, what we do affects the people around, around us. It may not say that per se, but if you look through the scriptures, that principle can easily be extracted from uh, specifically, well, actually Old and New Testament. Um, we're called to live in peace with one another, in harmony with one another. And when we start throwing um, complaints and cruddy attitudes out there, um, it does affect the people around us because the people around us are sinful too. And we're, they're going to tend towards um, the negativity. And so um, I think that's a very wise thing to do. Um, so she was complaining because she didn't like that. Right. And then she went on to say, um, you know, talk about some things that she, the parents had talked about doing with her little special things um, that just hadn't worked out. The timing wasn't right or they weren't sure they could spend the money quite yet. And so um, just circumstances didn't allow them to, you know, to do those things and to follow through on them. And again, you know, this is a place where we can easily be uh, overwhelmed with mom guilt. And this is where we have to, for the sake of our children and the health of our relationships with them, 
Um, I like to, we need to, we need to address it without the guilt and fear. I like to say it's like, it's keeping things clean. Um, we, we keep things clean when we are uh, clarifying in our own hearts and minds with the Lord's help, what is our responsibility and what is their responsibility? So, um, you know, a lot of times, like I mentioned before, when it's the, when it's been, you know, somewhere around the holidays or, you know, um, a birthday or a time when they've just, the kids have received more blessings than normal, those things can easily become idols because that's, that's how we function. We, we as sinful human beings tend to worship other things besides God. We, we know that that's our temptation, right? And we want to teach our kids differently than that. This is why God says um, that, you know, the, the greatest commandment, the two greatest commandments, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So in um, asking these questions and getting to the bottom of this in the ways that I've mentioned, we are doing those two things. Those are the primary, most important commandments. All the other commandments and, and the laws of the prophets all fall under those two categories. Even the Old Testament laws, they were there because it was about, uh, it was, they were boundaries that helped the people of God um, in their particular circumstances to love God more and love others more. Okay. So we want to make sure that we are keeping things clean. Again, make sure that you are fully understanding what your responsibility is and then what your child's responsibility is. So mom's responsibility here is not to feel guilty and try to make something happen that hasn't, that God just hasn't allowed to happen. Um, it's okay to kind of think through some of those things after a bit. But in this particular circumstance, what you want to do is be asking the questions, getting the information, and finding out exactly where your child's heart is. And in this particular situation, she was just having um, that pessimistic sort of gimme attitude. And so mom recognized that and, and kicked guilt to the curb immediately, which is, you know, like I said before, that is very, very important. Understanding that God is sovereign over our lives and our children's lives and understanding that he coordinates these moments intentionally, okay? That wasn't a failure on your part per se. It was the fact that God allowed none of those things to happen. He's so good like that so that we could, so this mom could, um, be in this moment with her daughter. It was, it's an opportunity to address her heart that she might not have otherwise had. So look at these things, not with, uh, through the, uh, you know, the lens of guilt, but rather opportunity. If we give in to guilt, it could be tempting to immediately give that little girl, even just one of the things that she wants to alleviate your guilt and fear. Okay. That is not godly biblical parenting. And so I, I love how this mom handled it. And, you know, you want your child to be able to express what they're really feeling. And clearly in this situation, this little girl felt the freedom. She was loved. She felt secure and safe enough to tell her mom what she really thought, right? 
she knew her mom wasn't going to overreact because that's not the rule for this mom. That's the exception. And so one of the best things, and I talk about this in my book, The 4-Hour School Day, one of the most important things that our kids know um, is that they are known as they are, but they are also loved. You know, it's one thing to be known. It's another thing to be loved, but to be known and loved gives such great security to our children. And it just allows them to develop naturally. Um, You know, as I was talking to this mom about this situation, we were talking about how routine and predictability each day are what give our kids the safety, the feeling of safety and security that allows them to relax and learn more naturally. So we don't have to drive learning home. We create the environment where they make a connection with learning, whether that's learning um, about what's pleasing to God and good character and how we treat other people, or whether that's learning, um, you know, you know, subjects in school. Giving our kids routine and predictability and security allows them to learn more naturally on their own. So tuck that in your hat, homeschooling moms, because that's a really important thing to understand. So you don't have to spend so much time trying to figure out all of the, you know, all the checklist of things that you think you have to do every every day when it comes to schoolwork and overwhelming yourself and your children, but instead make the priority safety, security, um, a schedule, a routine, not down to the minute, but margin in your day. So your kids have, uh, you have the opportunity to teach them along the way when character issues come up and they have the opportunity to explore their interests and uh, the things that they find interesting on their own without us. So that was a little bit of a derail there, but it kind of ties in here. But again, you want your child to be able to express what they're really feeling. You want them to know that they're known and that they're loved. But I love what this mom did in that moment. She hit the pause button. She didn't camp out on the fact that her daughter was disappointed. Um, She didn't, uh, you know, sort of dramatize or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of magnify her daughter's feelings. She didn't put a magnifying glass on them by saying, oh, honey, I'm so glad you could tell me how you felt. Not that that's a bad thing to say, but I think sometimes it can send a message to our kids that their feelings are the priority and their feelings matter. And we do want to address those feelings, but often feelings are um, a reflection of the heart and what's kind of going on underneath the surface. And that's really where we want to go to because we want our kids to learn how to do that for themselves. So in this instance, we're helping them do that. So she hit the pause button after she got that explanation. She went to her husband. She said, hey, what just went on with, with her? Because she's clearly like really bombed and really disappointed about a lot of things. And he said, well, she was irritating the gajibers out of her brother while they were uh, watching something. And her brother asked her to stop and she just didn't stop. And so, um, you know, that was where that was where they landed. And, and so the brother had set a very healthy boundary by just basically saying, hey, can you please stop doing this? She didn't respect that. 
She just kept doing what she wanted to do. And so then she got in trouble and then she had an attitude and then uh, she had to go sit on her bed. So very healthy series of events there. Um, But she was kind of camping in a little bit of a self-pity party. And so mom and dad recognized that. Um, But yeah, of course, mom's going to mull this over just a little bit more and kind of be asking herself if maybe, you know, uh, there are some activities that need to happen or whatever um, in terms of the expectations of what the little girl wants. But she wants to make sure first that the pessimistic gimme attitude has been completely extinguished. For now, of course, it's going to come up again someday. That's just life with kids. That's parenting. That's being human. So um, hitting the pause button, you know, they went to bed. They got up the next morning. She goes about the normal daily routine. Uh, Mom isn't doing anything differently. She's not rushing to try to make anything happen to satisfy this child or alleviate her guilt. She's praying over her child's heart and praying for wisdom because the work that needs to happen is work that can only be done by God, right? So by watching our children to see how their attitude is doing in a a circumstance like this, that's what you want to be doing. We're not putting the little girl under a microscope. We're just, you know, we're not helicoptering and trying to force a good attitude. We're watching to see what's actually going on with the heart. Um, But staying mindful of where her heart is throughout the day. Um, ask her to do some things, see how she responds, be watching for clear evidence that her attitude has been adjusted. And she may adjust it on her own. She may do that, but she may need help. And so this is why we're the parent. This is our role. So encouraging her to talk about things that she's grateful for when she starts to complain. That's a, that's a, uh, tactic I used a lot. When I saw my kids were starting to complain, especially if it was starting to become more of the rule and uh, less of the exception, and I really didn't put up with much complaining at all because complaining is a monster that just grows very, very quickly. Um, So I would say to my kids, you know, I'd hear them complain and I wouldn't say, oh, you shouldn't complain or stop complaining. Not that that's bad, but I would give them something Uh, productive to do. I would redirect their attitudes towards gratefulness by saying, okay, you know, like, okay, I heard you. Now tell me three things you're thankful for. And let me tell you, that happens once, twice, maybe three times. Our kids are smart. They are intuitive. And they realize um, it isn't working. The complaining isn't working. It's not gratifying. So instead, I've got to you know, make, I've got to work. I have to come up with things to be thankful for. Um, and, and it, it really kind of puts a quick end to it. And, uh, so that is one of the tactics I used quite a bit. Um, you know, and it, especially if it's a younger child, you know, they can do that to you verbally. Um, they can draw pictures of things they're grateful for, you know, a little, little more of a fun way to do that or use Play-Doh or clay to sculpt something that they're thankful for. And then, as of course, as parents, we're going to continue to pray over their heart um, as we're walking through this. Now, once you see that the attitude has changed, you have the freedom to possibly do one of the things she wanted to do, right? It doesn't have to be the biggest, most expensive thing. It might actually be wiser to choose the simple, inexpensive thing. 
because um, one thing that, you know, may happen is, you know, either the child is going to be thankful or they're going to say, no, I wanted to do this, that or the other thing, something that was bigger and more grand and more expensive. And that's going to tell you that hmm, the attitude hasn't quite fully adjusted. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, the goal is to get to the heart, not just the surface issues when it comes to our kids. Remember to check your own heart along the way. First of all, not responding out of guilt or fear. And second of all, make sure that you're setting an example. Moms, we don't realize that we, uh, we set the tone in the homes. Uh, my mom used to tell me this all the time. She would, she would refer to moms as the hub of the home. Everything sort of like stays in good working order, um, but she's the center of that. That's our role as moms. Um, also, she sets the tone or the spirit or the attitude in the home. So if you're catching a lot of bad attitudes, you might want to check your own first. I have to do this regularly because we have got to set the example. Um, because in setting the example, we set the tone in our homes and we want to set a tone of gratitude, a tone of thankfulness, a tone of praise to the Lord, respect to our husbands, um, respect to our children. You know, if we speak to our children disrespectfully, don't be shocked if our children speak disrespectfully back to us. We are teaching them that, okay? So again, make sure that you check your own heart. Don't give in to guilt or fear and make sure that you're setting the example. And can I just say this, moms, you don't have to set the perfect example. And even if you have not been setting a good example, this is your opportunity to say, you know what? Um, I'm noticing that there's a lot of complaining going on around here. And I realize that I've been complaining a lot. And, and that is not right. God tells us in his word, he literally says, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Such a simple verse, moms. Think about it. It doesn't say in some things give thanks. It doesn't say in good circumstances give thanks or, um, you know, fill in the blank. It says in everything give thanks. Why? Because we know that God is sovereign and that he's good. And then it goes on to say, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you wonder what God's will for you is, if I wonder what God's will is for me, it is to give thanks in everything because giving thanks in everything um, forces us to have to align our hearts with the truth about who God is. So it's a wonderful discipline. And so if we haven't been doing that, this is a great opportunity to show our kids what it looks like to repent, um, apologize to our kids for not setting the example, and repent to the Lord in front of them and have them do the same. And all of a sudden, the slate is clean and you have an opportunity to set a completely different tone in your home. And so there are some tips for you on dealing with a pessimistic gimme child. I hope those were helpful. Um, thanks so much for being here today. I just want to pray over you before we close. Lord, thank you for these moms. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for these children that you've given us to raise, for the way that you are sanctifying us and making us more like you in the midst of the struggle and in, in the midst of 
um, just really, really wanting to love our children well and raise them well, God. You cause so much good um, and so much transformation to happen in our own hearts in the midst of that. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are a good God and that you are sovereign and that we can always in everything give thanks because of that. Not that we always do, but Lord, thank you that you made it clear that that is something that you have called us to do. So Father, may we be found faithful to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.